All right. Good evening. And welcome back to the Across the Tracks podcast. I am Wayne. And I'm Steve. And uh, I'll, I'll start this off tonight. I was uh, last week. We didn't record last week. Uh, I was down south at a family reunion on my wife's side down in Mobile, Alabama. Actually, we were we, we flew into Mobile. The actual reunion is was in a town called Daphne, Alabama, which is about eh, maybe 45 minutes or so from Mobile. And so on my wife's side, um, met met a lot of folks I hadn't seen for a while and then met some new folks that uh, that I had not met. But it was good, you know, being uh, down south. Uh, there's there's some there's a vibe about being down south. And I'm sure you can share in that. There's a vibe about being down south. You feel at home, you know, and that, and that's sort of how I felt. But uh, while we were there, you know, enjoying good food, good fellowship, I was doing the music for the reunion. And uh, go figure. Yeah, you know, yeah, go figure, right? So <laughs> my wife uh, sort of twisted my arm to say, you know, hey, you know, help us out. And, you know, do the music for us and whatnot. So I'm like, okay, I, I, I can do that. So did the music for him. And um, at pretty much every black family reunion, there is, you know, a couple of songs you're going to hear that are standard. You're going to hear Family Reunion by the OJs, and you're going to hear We Are Family by Sister Sledge. But one of the most popular songs you hear at a black family reunion. Or black function, period. Yeah, black functions, period is Before I Let Go by Frankie Beverly and Mays. So I got to throw out to you to kick this off tonight before we get into the to the topics that we're going to discuss. I am an old school lover of R&B. Frankie Beverly and Mays, Before I Let Go is a classic. But now we have a remake to that song done by Beyonce. It's actually live. It's called Homecoming uh, and it's live. And I'm not feeling it. Uh, There's some things are sacred. That's just my view. There's some things <laughs> yeah. sacred. You don't touch Frankie Beverly and Mays. Now, I will say here a while back, maybe two or three years ago, there was a tribute album to Frankie Beverly and Mays. And they had a lot of the up and coming artists on that album. And, and some renditions of those songs that they did were actually pretty good. Mary J. Blige is on that album. Rashawn Patterson is on that album. Quite a few folks are on there. And they did some actually good renditions of some of Maze's songs. But before I let go, is it's a classic, man. And you you don't mess with the classics. And when I heard the Beyonce version, I'm like, what the heck? You know, <laughs> uh, I, I just wasn't feeling it. And uh, I'm a ride or die old school guy. And uh, if you want to play before I let go, you got to give me the Frankie Beverly and Maze version. <laughs> Okay, now, as far as Frankie, Beverly, and Amaze, I go along with you 100%. It's Beyonce is a great artist. Beyonce is everything that people want. She has the beehive. She has millions of followers. And when I heard Before I Let Go, I was disappointed. Number one, disappointed because... They're making a remake of a classic. And number two, she just does not sing that song. No. It's, it's, she has no flexion in her voice. 
she's singing at a you know kind of a baritone monotone all through it it's almost like she's singing it at a damn funeral yeah and i mean they throw in a couple other little mixes in there they sample some other things right but she does not have the voice to me to sing that song especially the way she sang it you know uh it just didn't come across very well to me a lot of people say they love it but to me it's just blah 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 it has she has no reflection in her voice she has no pitch or anything it's just like she's talking to people right right and and you know when frankie beverly does his you know you can hear the various notes you know the the uh, maze is is jamming in the background it is it is it is the top song it's played in every every event yeah. <laughs> whether you go to a matinee, whether you go to a club, you know, whether you just out at a house party or in the backyard, you're going to hear before I let go. Yeah, that is and it. And I, I got on Facebook the other day and I heard heard it and I just had to make a statement. I've said, you know, Beyonce's remake of uh, Before I Let Go. And I just put nice try. Yeah. Yeah. It, it ain't hitting on nothing. No, no. But uh, and it's like when back in 85, I think it was, is when Coca-Cola came out with a new Coke. Yep. You know, try to try to, you know, trick people into, you know, this is the new Coke. Well, it's not Coke. You know, it's not the same. You you can fake it, but it's not the same. And that's what I think about Beyonce's. before I let go. She's trying to fake it. She's trying to get an audience. But to me, it seems more like it's a, it's a, they're trying to get us some stepping into it. Right, right, right. You know, so, and Maze and, and Frankie Beverly and Maze, this, they're not trying to step. They're just jamming. They just want you, they're just partying down. Right. So, so that's, yeah. that's my, that's my thoughts on Beyonce's remake of Before I Let Go. Yeah, we 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 agree a hundred percent, and there are some things you just shouldn't touch. That's 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 how I, that is a cult classic. Uh, at any black re, uh, function, like you say, you hear it a lot at family reunions, but just about any black function, Maze is gonna come on at some point, and then oh people, yeah, they're they're gonna do the electric slide. To <laughs> there you go. It's it's replaced the electric. It's the new electric slide. Electric <laughs> slide to it. It is a classic and. Uh, that's you know we we agree and uh, and let that be it. I'm sure there are some folks out there who who are going to disagree with us that you know hey Beyonce killed it whatever yeah like you say nice try <laughs> you know <laughs> yeah. nice try but it ain't the real thing. So yeah. Yeah. that said, um, tonight we have a couple of topics that we we had been bannering about talking about, and uh, I think the first topic that uh, we want to you know, offer some reflections on is uh, the story that came out last week about a young man, young black man who was killed in Phoenix uh, because the guy felt threatened by the music he was playing in his car. And I heard that and I'm like, what? I'm like, I must didn't hear this right. He was threatened because of the type of music the kid was playing. The kid was playing hip hop music, young black man. 
and he goes into a convenience store and the guy stabs him in the neck because he felt threatened by the music the kid was playing in his car. And I'm like, this goes beyond anything that I had ever heard. You know, you usually hear people feel threatened because, you know, maybe they were approached or they thought they were going to be approached. Never because you're sitting in your car, whatever music played in your car and somebody feels threatened by that. I just thought, this is crazy. And this is the second incident in a span of a couple of months that has happened in Phoenix related to black people. Um, you know, the, the cop who pulled a gun on a family because the, the little girl walked out of the store with a, with a toy or a doll or something like that. And the cop pulled a, a gun out on the family, threatening the family. So Phoenix has been in the news lately uh, for all the wrong reasons when it comes uh, to how black Americans are being dealt with in that city. So I just thought that was appalling. Um, you know, people feel, again, we talked about people feeling threatened by us. Here's a perfect example that this young man lost his life because somebody felt like, oh, the music is threatening me now. I mean, I, I don't get it. Not true. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And and the guy, I, I read into the, you know, the situation and the guy had just been released from prison for yep. just a couple of weeks or weeks or a couple of days. And he said while he was in prison, you know, that music, you know, was threatening to him because he had gotten beat up or, you know, something in those sorts. And so when he heard that music, he felt that he was, you know, back in the prison and he had to defend himself because the music was attacking him. The music now. The music, the music yeah. That music threatened him. And it, and it also, it, it goes back to a previous podcast we talked about, the prison industrial complex and the fact that this guy came out of prison and he had absolutely no skills. They just let him out. He had nothing that he he was trained to do. And everything that he learned in prison remained with him as soon as he walked out of his doors. And within a couple of days or a couple of weeks later, he was back in prison uh, simply because, you know, the, the prison industrial complex, he's got caught up in it. And they did no training for him. You know, he's going to do hard time. And so there's no outlets for this for this guy to to um, uh, to have. And so by having someone, you know, play music and him using that as an excuse to attack this young young man is no excuse at all. And we've heard that time and time again that, you know, all that folks have to say now is I feel threatened. Yeah. And if I feel threatened, I can defend myself or I can, you know, hurt, maim or kill somebody because of an idle threat. Shameful. Just plain shameful. Yeah. 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 This this young man has lost his life. And I I, I thought was he he was going to either um, was the was he going to be graduating from um, from school the next day or something like that? Yes. There was, there was some major event that was getting ready to happen in his life. And, and now he's dead uh, over some knucklehead being, you know, I feel threatened by the music. And uh, if that's the case, I mean, I pulled up by a lot of folks playing whatever coming out of their car. Um, and, and, you know, it, it, you've probably experienced this. You've pulled up to a red light 
and the car next to you, there'll be a young, young white boy in the car, and he's bumping hip-hop music. And all you hear is, the niggas did, my nigga did. And sometimes they'll turn the music down because yeah. they look over and see you're there. Sometimes they don't. They just turn it up louder. They, you know, but, and, and, and I went, for me, it's embarrassing. It's embarrassing. That's that's the emotion I feel. Not that I'm threatened by this dude. I feel embarrassed yeah, because yeah. we open the floodgates. This generation has opened the floodgates to allow people now to utilize that word that was created to demean and make us feel less than. Now it's 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 in vogue for all these little white boys to ride around. They're playing the hip hop music. Don't know anything about what they're listening to, but you feel embarrassed that our people, our young people, have allowed this to happen. That word to be thrown around so freely that to someone like me, it's embarrassing. It's embarrassing. So, um, yeah, there's an emotion you feel, but I don't feel threatened. It's it's more embarrassment for me. So, yeah, yeah, I agree. Uh, you know, one of the one of the weirdest things, you know, my 30 years of teaching is that, you know, periodically it doesn't happen all the time. You know, I taught in a public school and periodically kids would fight, you know, and it just happened. You know, they would fight about just silly stuff or sometimes serious stuff and so on. Well, I don't know when, but I don't know, several years ago, I'm coming out from the restroom, you know, but you got five minutes between class and I'm hustling down all the way down the hall to get to the restroom and get back to um, my classroom, stand outside the door. And two white boys, two white kids, students, they were probably maybe sophomores, juniors, and they get into it, you know, and they're pushing and shoving. And then they start calling each other niggas. (laughs) (laughs) And I just kind of went, Really? And I just sat there and said, okay, let's see who, who's going to do what. Now, you're not supposed to do that, but they were, you know, once again, looking f- for someone to break up something that they wanted to start, but they really didn't want to start. Right. But the two guys started calling each other niggas, and they were white boys, the white kids. <laughs> <laughs> you know, and I just kind of, and, and the other black kids around, and they was just kind of shook their heads like, can you believe this? Coach Jay, Mr. Johnson, can can you believe this? And I just shot shook my head and went, "This is why you shouldn't use the word because it gives it gives those guys who are stupid it gives yeah. them a means of using it. See, it means nothing to them. It no, means right. a lot to me. At right, you know, at right. that time, I was you know right. over fifty years old. Right. I said there's many times up at Etown High School or out at the Morningside that we were we were scrapping over that word, and that's yeah. not ever going to change. Yeah. So yeah. it's it's, it's kind of like it's kind of like uh, Richard Pryor when uh, he's talking telling a joke one time about you know uh, there was a bunch of Chinese people coming to uh, to the United States. And they were using the N-word. And Richard Pryor says, well, you keep using it. And when you get it right, you'll find out because you don't get your ass kicked <laughs> because they couldn't say it right. You know, and, you know, Richard Pryor, go, nah, 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 nah. Yeah. Oh, get your ass beat. You know, you made it. <laughs> yeah. 
And, and, and a lot of the white kids that, that use that word, they look at that as a badge of honor. That that I think there's it was some movie I was watching and uh, the, 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 the it was at a stoplight and the black guy, these black guys pull up in the car and they're, you know, the hip hop is bumping and whatnot. And uh, they look over and they say, like, you know, what, what you looking at, Nick? And the white was like, oh, my God, they called us niggers. <laughs> they were so excited about it. I'm like, oh, my God, this is sad. This yeah. is sad. But they look at it as a badge of honor that, wow, you called us niggers. Well, yeah. you know, some of it is that it's it's pervasive in the hip hop culture. And, you know, back in the 60s, you know, when Motown came around, there are lots of white folks that listened to Motown. It was different. Yeah. You know, it was black music because, yeah. you know, go back to the 50s, you know, you weren't supposed to listen to any black music on the radio. Yep. You know, they used to call black artists when they would play those music. They used to say those are race records. Race records. Yeah. And, um, you know, white folks couldn't listen to them. So Motown was able to cross over and bring, you know, regular R&B to white folks. And so it became very, very popular. Motown, you know, Barry Gordy became a billionaire simply because of that. You have to have a crossover artist. So they started to listen to Motown. Everybody listened to Motown. So that was just all part of it. And so the 1980s, you know, the genre changed and they started talking, using more street language and more language that dealt with uh, oppression and dealt with, you know, situations in urban areas and so on. And so that word, in other words, became part of that part of that genre. So it was like everything else. White folks are going to listen to music. Black folks. listen. I listen to rock and roll. I listen to country. I listen to everything. And so they're going to listen to that. So when they start listening to it, they're going to feel that they're part of that part of that uh, that that movement or part of that music. And so they won't feel anything wrong with it as long as black folks can say it. They'll feel that they can say it as well. So some of it was some of that is self-inflicted because of the way, you know, um, people have used the word and so on. And so they put it in, in everything They you know, they use bitches and hoes and all that stuff, you know? And so that's part of their lingo. That's part of the genre. So they pick that up. So it's not really, I'm not really upset with them because we were responsible for doing that. You know, sometimes black folks, we are our own worst enemies. Yep. I will concur with that. You know, <laughs> Yes. Yeah. My wife and I were talking about that the other day, that, that sometimes we are our own worst enemy, uh, that we bring things on ourselves and then we wonder, well, how did this happen? Well, how did it happen? <laughs> you know, we, we talked about the color purple. You know, the color purple was nominated for 11 Oscars, you know, and should have been the picture of the year. But because we felt some people felt I didn't. I read the book. Some people felt that it was derogatory because of Mr. and Seeley and everybody, Sugar Avery and all those characters in there, that it was demeaning to black folks. And then when um, Steven Spielberg and the color purple didn't receive a Oscar, then we're mad. Right. Right. You know, so we're upset that they're making a movie. We're upset that the book was written. We're upset that it's demeaning. Because of the way that the the main character treated his 
his his wife, uh, and then we get mad at when it doesn't win. Yeah, man. And again, at the time, the setting of that movie at the time, that is how things were. You know, that is how things were. And, uh, you know, I, I, I love The Color Purple, man. I think it's it's probably one of the greatest movies that's ever been done. But, again, um, it didn't win anything. And I thought some of that had to do with the fact there, there were people that were against Steven Spielberg as well, you know, who did not want to see him win. Um, but uh, the characters, the way they were portrayed, I mean— you you've been down south, man. The, the the thing with the juke joints and what goes on. <laughs> oh yeah, absolutely. Like, that is that's how it was, man. Hell, that's how it is. You know, my my auntie ran a juke joint back in the day, and people were always down there having a good time, drinking and having a good time. You know, she was bootlegging and carrying on, but it was it was a juke joint, right. and that's how things were. So. When, yeah, we, we can't say, well, wow, you're demeaning us, but then you, you can't complain when it doesn't when it doesn't win. I mean, so um, we, 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 we've got some things to sort out and we, we've talked on the broadcast several times that we've got a lot of things to sort out in our community. And uh, will we ever get there? I don't know. Um, but we, we got some things that we have to sort out. Yeah. And so I think that's a good point to segue to the next topic. <laughs> And that was, if, if, if anyone listening listens to the podcast, you probably saw this story uh, last week. There was a brawl at Disneyland, family brawl at Disneyland. And uh, I, you probably remember growing up there in E-Town, I'm sure your mom told you just like my mom told me, hey, when you go outside this house, don't be embarrassing me. Don't do nothing that's going to, you know, get you into trouble or not act like you got some sense when you go outside. <laughs> yeah, oh, yeah. Well, what we saw at Disneyland was somebody missed that home training lesson. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Somebody missed that lesson because folks were fighting and cursing and punches were being thrown amongst family members in Disneyland. I, 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 you, you, part of it, you wanted to laugh, but it was embarrassing because as you and I both know, sometimes, or not sometimes, majority of the time when things happen where we're involved, we tend to get lumped in as it's the whole group that conducts themselves that way. We, we get a break that you can differentiate between good blacks, bad blacks. It's like, look, that's how they are. That's how they are. And we're, we're lumped into one big stew. And so that's what I felt from watching that. I said, man, people are going to think like, here we are. We, we all conduct ourselves in that matter. So I, I was I was disgusted and embarrassed again <laughs> over over what I saw in that video. Yeah, in all places in Disneyland, <laughs> you know, <laughs> and people were standing around. Of course, people were standing around videotaping right, it right. and so on. And this family gets into a big brawl and they're spitting on one another yeah. and they're swinging and knocking people down. And, you know, you take one step forward in a situation like that. You take four steps backwards because, like you said, they're going to people are going to generalize and say that all black folks are that way. Look at that family doing that, you know. And so it is embarrassing. And, you know, like you said, what our parents always my parents always told me is that when you walk out of here, you know, don't forget that you are Johnson. 
Yeah. And that yeah. means that, you know, when you do something out there stupid, it's going to come back on me and your mama. Yeah. So therefore, you know, don't act a damn fool out there. And to be uh-huh. honest, yeah. I'm sure that's probably what my grandfather and grandparents told my mom and dad. And that's what I told my kids. You know, when you walk out of here, don't be embarrassing me because it's right. going to come back to me. And if it comes right. back to me, it ain't going to be good. Right, right. And so uh, a situation like that's just, you know, it's it's more than embarrassing. Yeah. Uh, family members, if you have a disagreement, you know, it's easier said than done. You know, we don't know everything that happened, but, uh, you know, making a public spectacle is is not a way of doing dealing with things like that you know and i mean luckily i mean luckily they're at disneyland and and folks didn't have guns because you know how we are we are how people are not we are so you know people when we were growing up you know we would go out and we want to sell us something okay after school we're gonna go over here and fight (laughs) (laughs) you know today and i'm just speaking for i'm Speaking for what I think is that uh, people don't want it. It's easier to pull a gun and shoot somebody because you, I'm, I'm going to say it, because you're too big of a punk to fight. Yeah, yeah. You know, yeah. and I'm not going to condone it. I mean, I've had plenty of scraps myself where we just fought, but there was never a time that I thought about pulling out a gun or anything uh, like that. Uh, you know, yeah. because growing up, we, we fought. I mean, right. you know, we just fought. Right. We sell it, and right. you know, two or three hours later, we're out back on the basketball court That's playing right. ball, right? You know, or kickball or whatever, and it was over. We forgot about that until yeah. the next fight, and then we'd fight again, and you know, right. then we make it up, you know, and then we just go back. <laughs> so yeah, that's um, those are those are things that uh, that are embarrassing, and families should should be able to uh, conduct themselves uh, better in public like that and, and know when to cut it off. Right. You know, right. you know, yeah. after, after, you know, a minute or so, cut it off, you know, and most fights only last about 10 seconds anyway, but that went on for two, oh, three yeah. minutes. Yeah. This one went on and on and you on, know. man. I was like, when is it going to stop? Yeah. And, uh, it, it was, you know, I, you you mentioned, you know, back in the day, you know, people would fight and like you say, you'd be friends afterwards. And then you, you didn't worry about somebody, nobody pulling no gun out here. But I think what what today it gives people a false sense of power Yeah. You know, when they, when they do have a gun, it gives them a false sense of power. And sometimes it doesn't work out the way folks think. Uh, just because you got a gun doesn't mean, you know, that uh, you're going to strike fear in somebody because today you don't know. You roll up on somebody, they're strapped to. And, uh, you know, it could turn out bad for you. Um, you thinking that that weapon's going to give you some power that, you know, that person might just, you know, be crazier than you are. Yeah. <laughs> you yeah. know, and uh, just so like he- in, just like in Slick Rick song, you know. Little girl guy pulled out a gun and the other guy had a gun as well. Didn't know that. Right, right. You know? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah, so, yeah, that's, oh, well. That's a topic that, you know, we're going we're gonna to come across incidents like that for years and decades. Yeah, so yeah, it's just embarrassing. And, yeah. And, and, you know, and, it could have been handled a lot differently. Yeah. And and we know what it means, like you say, the, the generalizations start coming and 
you know, it's tough to live that down when, you know, you it's like, look, we don't conduct ourselves in that manner. But the generalization, the stereotype has already been made that we're uncouth. We don't know how to act. And, you know, it's lumped on the entire group. And um, we, we, we know that going into it. And so that's why a lot of times when you hear news on the TV, you're like, oh, please don't be, don't <laughs> don't be black. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> There's a mass there's a mass shooting now, Lord, look, please don't let it yeah. be somebody black. And Lord, most of the time it's not. Right. But you know, we, that's the first thing that comes across right. the community. Right. Because we know. We know. Yeah. So anything else on your mind for tonight? Well, let's see here. Um I think there's a political issue going on back in our home state yeah. where uh Yertle the Turtle. <laughs> <laughs> Google out Mitch. Uh, he's got a he's got somebody that's going to run against him in Kentucky. Yay! And uh, that person, uh, a lady by the name of Amy McGrath, is going to um, try to unseat uh, Mitch McConnell. It, I, I feel that it's going to be very very difficult to do that simply because. Um, the way politics are now, either you are, are R or you're a D. And if you're an R, you're never going to vote for a D, regardless of if the if the, the Democrat is, you know, upstanding. Absolutely. Here she is, a, um, an, an officer, a, a pilot, uh, served the country, very outstanding uh, background. And so on, but because she's a Democrat or because he's a Republican, that you can't vote for them. You know, to me, that's just asinine. I think it's asinine that uh, Mitch McConnell can be in the Congress for 34 years and have the power that he has, and is literally unchecked because he's a Senate Majority Leader and he he is responsible for putting bills on the floor and so on. Okay. That's how much power he has. And uh, he's just he he needs to be defeated. So yep, Kentucky, yep, yep. Uh, if you can get out, pull somebody to the polls, push somebody to the polls, drag somebody to the polls, drag somebody to the voting uh, booth and vote against him. That's that's not an endorsement of Amy Morrell. I just think that. Me personally, it's it's time for him to go. He's he's the type of guy that, and, and you know, history repeats itself. That an election year was happening in in twenty sixteen, and uh, there was a Supreme Court justice that was appointed by uh, President Obama, and he says, "I'm not gonna I'm not gonna allow him to even visit with the Senate." Because it's an election year, we're going to let the people decide on uh, who's going to uh, be put on the Supreme Court. If the Republicans win, then we'll put them on. If the Democrats win, then we'll put them on. So in 2020, you know, someone asked them a question, well, what if a Democrat uh, wins? You know, of course, he's going to say, well, I'm, I'm going to, you know, hold off. But if a Republican wins... Let's let's say that a Supreme Court justice died tonight. Mm-hmm. Well, 
McConnell will say, we got to get him on there as fast as possible, even though this this is an election year. Yep. So he's two faced, yep. you know, yep. what's what's good for for them in, in 2016 is not good for them. Then. So if they somebody comes up, then we put him on as fast as we can. He's a hypocrite. He's yep. just a hypocrite. I just I, I, it. It bothers me to even talk about that Google-eyed food because he's an idiot. He he needs to be out of there. It's time for a change. We need new blood down there. We need to to help Congress out. We need somebody that's in there that will at least give people opportunities. And all he says is no. Yeah, yeah. He's 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 the major major cog of dysfunction. Um, in in the Congress, uh, and the fact that yes, you're you're extremely powerful. You are the Senate Majority Leader. You are extremely that is an extremely powerful position, and you wield that power, um, like you say, in a, in a manner that does not reflect um, the office that you hold. You know, you're supposed to be for the people, uh, but nine times out of ten, the decisions that he makes are to benefit either himself and it was discovered that his wife who is the I think she's the secretary of transportation transportation secretary she funneled millions of dollars into his coffers for projects in Kentucky you know that you know was has been questioned as to what's going on here so yes he he is a supreme hypocrite and so I listened to Amy I listened to Amy McGrath the other day she was on uh, making the, the 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 circle of all the news shows um I think she has she has a good platform and a retired vet lieutenant colonel marine corps fighter pilot uh she's got the chops I just hope people will listen to her message in Kentucky and if that message appeals to you, forget about the letter that's behind her name. If her message appeals to you, then I encourage you to vote for her and 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 get this knucklehead out. It, it, he, he said 30, 34, 35 years you've been in the Senate and uh, you aren't you aren't doing anything except stifling things. And so, yes, it is time for him to leave the stage and get some new blood in there. And hopefully, you know, people will listen to her message and they'll dissect it and they'll take it for what it is and ignore the fact that she's a Democrat or whatever and just say, is she a good person? Is her message, is her policy, what she's espousing, she can do once she does get in there. Is that beneficial to you? Do you see how she can be a good, strong advocate for the people of Kentucky and as a viable member of the Senate? If that's the case, then pull the lever for Amy McGrath and let's get, uh, like you say, what'd you call him? Yertle the turtle. Yertle the turtle. (laughs) Get Yertle the turtle (laughs) out of the Senate. You know, move him on, man. Yeah, it's. But he's, you know, he's strategically smart. I mean, yeah. he knows the game. He's been around for 34 yeah. years. He knows, you know, you mentioned his wife uh, and funneling money to his pet projects. Well, those yeah. pet projects are, you know, helping those people out oh, yeah. that, that need help. I mean, you yeah. know, that's that's what they do. Yeah. yeah. But, you know, uh, Amy, if she's she'll, she'll never listen to our podcast, but you got to go to all 120 counties in Kentucky. Yeah, that's right. 
That's you, right. You know, you you can't you just can't stay in Lexington and Louisville and oh. you know and Orangeboro and the big cities. You're gonna have to get out and rule rural uh, Kentucky. You're gonna yep. have to go up to Pike County. You're gonna have to go up to Eastern Kentucky. Yeah. You're gonna have to get out there. You know, if you know, ninety percent of uh, success is showing up. So that's it. Uh, you you got to get there. She she should make that part of her um you know platforms that I am going to visit all 120 counties in the state of Kentucky between now and election day. My face is going to be seen there, and I think if she does that and and stays on point with her message, you never know. You never know, and and I think at some point I think people know. I think I think people know and they can see. How hypocritical uh, McConnell is at times. I, I would think they would see that once they pull the curtain back and like this dude is a straight up hypocrite. Um, hopefully they would see that. And I don't. I I I hope, <laughs> I hope that you're looking at that as a positive light. But I man, it's so it's. I'm such a pessimist, and I'm I'm an optimistic person yeah. but when it comes to local politics and the way that political parties now try to you know take votes away and purge votes you know for their own gain uh it's going to be it's going to be a real uphill struggle she's going to have to be going up at a 45 degree angle Torn about three thousand pounds on her back to get up there, and you know, Yertle, uh, he's <laughs> he's got the coffers, he's got the money that you know all he has to do is say a couple key words, and then people are gonna not they're gonna look past the positive aspects of Yertle's appointee uh, 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 opponent, <laughs> and they're only gonna see one side or the other. That's the only thing about politics today that I really hate. You yeah. know, you don't read, you don't look into the platforms, you don't look into their policies, but yet just because somebody is a, a party that you're affiliated with, you'll vote for them hook or crook. That is just, yeah. to me, that is just completely wrong. Yeah. You know, I'll, I'll go with the people that, that philosophies, uh, are are close to mine, and if they're not close to mine, I'll go with the candidate that I feel that's going to represent the people the best. Yeah, you know, just because you know this person is is uh, who's the lesser of two evils. If I have to vote for the lesser of two evils, I'll vote for the lesser of two evils. If the other guy is 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 that unpopular that right. i'll i'll vote for him to get that person out you know you, you need fresh blood in in kentucky yeah 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 our, our state needs needs some infusion of something new and yeah. uh, folks are always you know talking about vets and supporting veterans and maybe that could help amy uh, she is a veteran and maybe folks will get behind that because she is a veteran and uh, they they would consider like, hey, you know, she served this nation uh, and, you know, fighter pilot, whatnot. And maybe folks will get a behind that along with her message. And you never know. You right. never know. Stranger things have happened. We, we didn't know what was going to happen. Uh, that's why we got uh, what we got now. 
<laughs> that folks like there's no way this guy can win and and look what we got so uh i, I have hope as jesse jackson says i'm keeping hope alive for uh <laughs> yes. for Kentucky and uh and and amy mcgrath that she can uh pull off a miracle here and and get mr mr turtle out of there so. <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah man we gotta we, he's got to go got to do it yeah gotta go all right well, Wayne, yeah, uh, we've had a, a quick conversation tonight. Yeah. We hit on a couple, few topics real quick. Uh, we're yeah. getting close to uh, time to wrap things up here. So, you had any parting parting words? Um, no, it was uh, it was an interesting week. Um, interesting week coming up. Um, heading out of town in the morning on business. Heading to the West Coast, and uh, you know, we'll see what transpires this week. Uh, what topics may jog our interest and uh we'll be back here next sunday night to do it again we will be back we'll be back across the tracks we'll continue to move forward absolutely 